Good morning all, Steve Parisi here with IVC Global. Hope your day is off to a fantastic start as usual. For today's podcast, we've got a special guest, someone that I've been working with for about a year and a half now or so, um, though through our conversations, I feel like I've known him most of my life. Um, a good friend, Ramsey Magali. Ramsey, how are you today? Good morning, Steve. It's always a pleasure to talk to you, although first time on a podcast, but uh, excited to go through the experience. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, thanks so much for taking your taking time to uh, be on this today. I know you've got a lot going on as usual, but I, I do appreciate it. So there's a lot I want to cover today with all things cash value life insurance. We'll touch on that. There's more I want to cover with you, particularly around real estate, business, some of the other conversations we've had. Um, but just to kind of set the stage, provide a little bit of a background for, for everyone, um, if you don't mind sharing a little bit about you, just uh, who you are, your background, um, you can share a little bit on your company, which you are very humble and say it's a small company. I'm like, no, that's a big company. But of course, it's all perspective. Um, but if you want to share a little bit in yourself, that would be great. Sure. Thank you. It, overall, I think it, it's always about your team to, to start off and surrounding yourself with the right people is, is paramount in all aspects, uh, business, social, spiritual, all, all aspects of life and realms. But uh, Tech Masters, that's our company there that I'm in the front here today, but we are an IT government contractor. So we, we support a lot of the government agencies and, and we focus a lot on multiple areas, IT, uh, I would probably call them three buckets just to make it simple, information technology. I know there's subsectors to that. And then there's uh, LMS learning management systems. So think colleges, instructional design, curriculum, books, de development, training, teachers, uh, more of a college, that's the LMS aspect and the last is 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 pmo project management office that's going to be non-it that's going to be your hr that's going to be administrative finance logistics analysis all non-it related and uh, and that's 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 what we do where we're out of virginia so we're we're very close to the nation's capitals just about maybe 30 45 minutes or so and we support most of our employees are different uh, sites they're uh, different government sites so that's that's Tech Masters in a quick, what is that, 60 seconds, 90 second pitch. <laughs> Definitely. Um, how? Just a quick question. So how, how big is your company employee count? You're right around 150, correct? Sure. Yeah, we're, we're about just shy of that. Uh, I think we'll, we'll, ex, we'll, we'll bypass that. We're on track to, I think we're about 135. I know it changes daily when we're adding, but uh, we should be... We should be we should be at the 150 mark. Um, the pandemic we we did go through ups and downs, but we're back on a positive trajectory. But yeah, about 150 is is a good assessment. Nice work, and that that's a lot of work. And I, I know over the years, or I should say, the past year and a half, I've talked to you for advice several times, just on growing a company. Call it growing pains as you deal with internal issues and such. Um, and you're experienced there. That's evident just from my personal conversations with you. Um, but 130 to 150 employees, that, that's a lot. That's a lot of people to manage. And you've got a good structure in place. Yeah, we're learning a lot. Uh, it's, it's all about the journey. And yeah. uh, I know we, we were just speaking prior to the podcast. And I always challenge people to have the, a defining word and what word defines you. And it, and it, it's a lot of questions. Who are you? What motivates you? Sometimes I, I will 
probe and ask other questions like uh, what were your happiest moments uh, what 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 do you recall what what's your favorite movie what's your favorite book uh, and i would just for it's fun to to do that exercise because i like doing it myself and so maybe 10 15 questions i would ask and i can we can kind of hone in and and come to a word but but why I'm bringing that up is my word is progress. And uh, progress is what makes me happy. It's what drives me. It's what helps me to come in the next day. And so I, I mentioned that because that it's about the journey. So a negative is really an opportunity and a challenge to propose a different solution. So I actually always say, I love to fail. That sounds weird when people say it, but I, I fail fast, I fail forward. I like to fail because now I know that didn't work and I'm gonna try the next thing and then try the next thing. It actually motivates me. But yeah. um, so we, we make a ton of mistakes. I make mistakes all day long. <laughs> <laughs> I hear that from some of the most successful business owners and motivational speakers that I listen to. What you just said, they say that quite a bit. Um, well, thank you for sharing that. So let's um, segue in a little bit because you've got a, a business background. Um, you know your stuff just from my conversations with you. When did you first hear about whole life insurance? Um, I know it was before you met us, but I, I kind of where I'm going with this is first where you where you first heard about it and then your numbers background or how you dig into it to that part as well. But let's start. Where did you first hear about it? I think I had mentioned his name, but um, I, I think I'm an avid podcast listener, books listener, uh, books on tape. Um, I'm constantly trying to put a solid hour plus a day in learning. And uh, that comes in a number of fashions, physically reading books. I love business books. Um, I love obviously listening to biographies and interviews of more successful people, podcasts, books on tape. So that's where a lot of my, my investment of time and knowledge. And so I came across uh, what do the what do the wealthy do and uh it piqued my interest i think i read a a book or two about the 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 rockefeller yeah i forget the 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 name the the rockefeller method or something to that effect so i watched pretty much then i went deep and looked at everything and and they were alluding to in a very it, it took a long time to figure out what they were talking about but at the end they were talking about cash value and uh, life insurance it didn't yeah. come out and say it that way, but it took a lot of <laughs> sifting through the sand to, to get these, these, these pieces of diamonds here. So eventually found out that they're talking about cash value life insurance. And I started now watching every video that I could find on cash value. And then I have this rule, just something for, to keep myself sane is try to read three books on a topic before you reach out to a professional because everyone's going to be biased and they're, we're all salespeople. I'm a salesperson and they're generally going to do that. So what I did is I, I read uh, two or three books uh, on this and I watched all these videos and I'm a slow learner, believe it or not. And it went, once I have repetition, I, I got a better understanding. I, I can't say I fully understand it, <laughs> but uh but that's how it got started. Got it. Got it. No, thanks. Thanks for sharing that. A lot of people go that path as well, where you mentioned uh, starting with what do the what 
do the Rockefellers do? What do the elite do? Ultra wealthy. And we hear of concepts that often attract us. Okay, what are, what are the people with the money doing and how can I copy that to the closest degree possible? Because my finances may be different than theirs or likely are, but how do I copy it and continue to build my overall net worth? And to your point, often we see, you know, those strategies or those concepts marketed and it does lead to cash value life insurance. There, there's a lot of stuff out there and I say that because I'm in the industry so I see it all the time. Um, but then as you started to dig into cash value life insurance, let me ask this. So what what got you interested in the actual product? Because the concept that sounds like it attracted you, but then step two was like, okay, this has to make sense. And what are some things just as you reflect back? Yeah, what you like and then what you didn't like about it too. So so this is this is there's a good and bad. Yeah. So what I know now, I may have acted differently two years ago, but that's because of progress again. And, and so we cannot reflect negatively on that just because you would do something differently that, that, that I would, uh, what, what, where I was two years ago was I'm sitting on a pile of cash. What do I do with it? Now I'm in the opposite end of the spectrum. So at that moment, I said, it can't be there has to be a way where you can actually have your money making money while you're looking for better opportunities. And so that was, that was one of the goals. One of my objectives is to make sure to have a vehicle that re retains the value and hopefully grows the value while being liquid and allowing me access to that versus truly comparing to a bank. Right. And, uh, and sitting in a bank. And then so I started doing what, what we all do, which is what are the wealthy people doing and where, where are they putting their money in? And, and then I came across this opportunity and that's, that's where I investigated further. Correct. Yeah. So on that point, so the cash value life insurance product, if I were to just kind of describe it, it is what it is. When it's properly set up with the larger mutual companies, you've got a safe, liquid, tax-free area to position money that over time, over the life of the policy, will produce a net internal rate of return. I emphasize IRR, not dividend rate, net internal rate of return of 3 to 5%. And then some of the drawbacks we can touch on too is yes, that 3 to 5% it'll average out, but I've got the, the initial startup costs where no matter how well the product's designed, I've got a negative hit, I've got to overcome that. And those are important things to touch on. I've learned that more and more. I try and touch on them, but through our conversations, it's like whatever anyone's pain point or objective is, make sure that that is crystal clear and we continue to focus on it because it's it's people's money that are going into the products. Yes, it's a nice vehicle, but then how do I maximize the vehicle and then how do I use it? I can use it whatever my goals are, real estate, business, whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. So, so that that that's that's leads me to the next question. What I love, I know I I love I speak in stories and anecdotes, but I, I don't know if you remember the discussion about salesmanship, and it was about a pen, and they asked uh, asked an individual. It was an interview. I don't recall exactly, but they said, "Okay, here's this pen." Um, sell me this pen. And they had a couple of people on and they start selling the pen and okay, well, it's, it, it, it writes, it, it, it can 
have this longevity. It, it's got a roller. It uh, it it uh, it's got a nice nice rubber uh, cushion, and and go into all the details about the pen where it's manufactured, and and then the, and at the end the lesson was no. You have to at the end. He says, "I don't even use a pen. I use pencil, or I actually prefer to do everything electronically." So the point of the goal here that I'm trying to get at is: it all starts with it depends. You have to ask questions. Yeah. So for for this vehicle, it really depends. It depends on where are you in your life. What are you trying to do? It. I have to go through another series of 10, 20 questions. What, 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 where's your risk tolerance? How old are you? What are you familiar with? What are you knowledgeable about? What is your geographical region? What do you see in the future? So you get my point. So yeah. I think the key is questions yeah. and to, to assess that first, where are you? And I can't, I, I don't think you have a, a silver bullet answer for everyone. Correct. There's no such thing. Yeah, I wish there was, but there's not because everyone's situation is different. Yeah, asking questions. I remember when we first connected, I remember the first time we engaged actually, it was through the info email. I didn't know who you were. You didn't know who I was because <laughs> it's all through the info account um, that you got an email and it was it was broken. The links didn't work. Something was off. And I saw it. I'm like, no, 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 this can't be it. So sorry. I'll get that resolved ASAP. Here's the videos that actually work. Um, and you responded back. I'm like, who, who is this guy? Because <laughs> most people don't do that <laughs> as far as add constructive criticism points um, before we even know them, before I engage with them. Um, but then you had connected with one of our agents. Um, he said that what that went well. And when we connected, I remember that the main focus at that point in time was, hey, I'm interested in this product. I've got money over here in cash, not doing a whole lot. What does this product look like? How do I maximize the cash benefit, internal rate of return? I remember studying that as we looked at funding a policy over five years, 10 years, just different scenarios with different companies, call it information overload, um, which seemed like you had fun. I always have fun you know, going through that kind of stuff with everyone. But when we first connected, I do recall that it was a very, very laser focused approach on how do I get the most out of my money when I'm going to direct it in the cash value. And let's start by just thinking, okay, if I let it sit and grow, what will that look like? Does that sound right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. You're, you're, you're dead on. I, I, I wanted my very, very infancy stage to yeah. make sure that this, this is a home for, for, for some, some cash. Yeah, and it definitely does provide that. Yeah, definitely. Let's touch on another point because the, the internal rate of return, which for anyone listening that isn't familiar with that term, that's the net growth rate after all of the insurance expenses, everything that comes with the actual life insurance product. Um, something that you've mentioned and a lot of people have mentioned to me and it drives me up the wall when I see it marketed improperly is the idea of a life insurance policy that's earning a dividend rate, call it of 6%, you know where I'm going, and I have a loan rate of 5%. When you first saw that, you know, before or after we connected, as a consumer, so not with industry experience, what goes through your mind when you see that? So the, since you've mentioned it, there is a bit of, uh, it's not crystal clear, with all the videos, they, they just often focused. There was there was some point of confusion where I thought I was making 
I can, this idea that I can basically make the money. So, so this is this IRR, this dividend return. I know there's, they're different and I can actually go and I use that money and, and I can make money on that. So I was like, wow, this is genius, but uh, they really, and, and it could be me, but it, 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 they gloss over or glaze over the fact that you actually have to borrow your money and pay an interest for your money, which is a difficult thing mentally to, to grasp. So I'm going to, I'm sitting here with my money. This money really doesn't break even till five years. And then now I have to pay to borrow my own money was a, was a head scratcher for me. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah, you're hitting the nail right on the head there because that it's not just you. That is a big, big point of concern and call it frustration where people feel like, hey, if I would have known that before the fact, before using the money, I would have done things differently or I would have liked more clarity because typically what that that sounds like is, hey, you can put money into a policy, you're earning a dividend of 6%, you continue to earn that on your entire cash value. If I've got a hundred grand in there, I'm being credited that 6% dividend rate and I can borrow against that 100K at 5% while I earn the 6% dividend on the full 100K. And that makes it sound like I'm earning 6% on 100 and I can borrow against it at five, that gives me a 1% spread, like sign me up. And where I get annoyed, I'll say this, I'm in the industry where I get annoyed with it is specifically, yes, you're earning a dividend of 6%, but that is not a true growth rate. A dividend is again a gross gross rate. The net IRR from that dividend of six might be four, might be four and a half. It's not five what you're what you're paying in interest. You're so. actually losing money. And that that was my biggest yeah. challenge. I think with, with all the calls. I honestly just almost, can you remove the column, the dividend column? Yeah. I, I just want to see the IRR. And that's why, yeah. that's why Steve keeps saying IRR, because that's something <laughs> I just kept. I like, I, I don't really care if it says 12% on the dividend return. What's my IRR? Yeah. Because that's what matters. That That's yeah. really what matters. So that was, that was another point. I think coming in to focus on the IRR coming in, I almost think is better than showing your dividend because that was confusing a little yeah. bit to me mm-hmm. where I didn't fully understand it. And so so that's that's where I, I think would help just to explain yeah. your just simple terms. IRR, look, you're you're basically it costs you got to borrow at five percent and year one you're gonna be negative X percent. So you're actually losing money and just be just hit hit that day one yeah. where you understand it. And now you really evaluate what's the vo- best velocity for your capital. Yeah. And, and I think what it is, one of the things you mentioned earlier um, with everyone being in sales with one, in one respect or another is that's a negative aspect of the product that some people might look at that and say, oh, that's not what I thought. I don't want to do it anymore. And, and I can say if, if we rewind the clock eight years ago when I'm a baby in the industry, I would be extremely nervous to talk about that and potentially lose the just the, the conversation, let alone the sale. But just through experience, and it was from our conversations as well, like all of our content almost has the IRR, annual and average now, 
And that's a big reason why from talking to you and others. But just from learning about business and such, transparency is so important. And when you show that stuff up front, show the objections, one, you're treating people how you want to be treated. But then the second thing is you prevent any type of heartache for the consumer and yourself down the road. Because if somebody feels like they got ripped off or sold something that just wasn't transparent, like that's not worth any amount of money from a sales aspect. It's not like the amount of stress that comes from that. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, here the, the good or bad here is that what's what sets you apart from everyone else. And that is you might trick some people and get away with it, but first off, the folks that do get it are just gonna come back and you're going to have to face the music anyway. So I would argue that one, you're in a very select pool and very, very, very select and small, uh, unique that you actually transparently share what the details are. And, and here's, it should be, the focus shouldn't be to sell a policy. And I know that isn't for you, but it should be, is this in the best interest of my client? Even if they're not a client, is this in the best interest? Because it pays dividends. That's what's helped us in our business. We make our decisions. What is in the best interest of our prospective employee? What is in the best interest of our customer? And unfortunately, that is not common in, in this day and age. And I, I, I actually embrace that because that's now I leverage that to say, this is our differentiator. This is why Steve is better. I mean, I've had conversations where Steve said, you know what, I can help you even if it doesn't help me, even if you have to transition out of this policy or go to another policy or transition totally or lower your policy. But obviously that's not financially beneficial to him. So that that speaks to his, to, to his integrity. And it, and it speaks, of course, to that goal of, of take care of the customer. So unfortunately, that's not always the case. Uh, actually, it's rarely the case. Yeah, no, I, I know what you mean. Um, and I'm going to prevent myself from going into that in more detail. Let me ask you another, another question, um, kind of on the same topic as far as leveraging the policy. So when we leverage it, if it's a direct policy loan, often it's negative, but there are alternatives where it makes sense. So the cash value collateral loans. Um, so what are some things you're looking at with respect to how you can actually use the money you've got in your policies now, as opposed to just say, hey, originally it was a nice cash place where I could just take cash, move it over here. But now as your, your mindset has shifted over the past two years, more of an active investor, um, a lot in real estate, what are some things you're looking at specifically with policy use there? Sure. So, so really at the end of the day, we're looking for a net positive between the cost of the capital and, and outside. So, so there's two ways that Steve has educated me on. You can, you can borrow directly from the policy loan, or you can go through a third party, which possibly might be a little bit cheaper. So if they're, if they're charging you 4%, you might be able to get three, three and a half, let's just say, from a third party individual or institution rather. So of course, we all want to go less, right? So we want to pay less. So, so the gamut is there. So as you become more sophisticated or you have other avenues, it's just simple math. Do you, do you have, where could you use your money? Two years ago, I'm sitting at zero. So I'm like, wow, this is great. 
Well, yeah, I'll, on average, my return will will break even. Maybe it will start going into that to, to that two and a half, three, three plus. Well, yeah, that made that made a lot of business sense. But what I didn't take into consideration is, well, what about the first five years? What am I doing? So am I am I at a commission? So am I counting pennies and 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 losing millions potentially by sitting on that capital? for five years. It doesn't matter the amount, percentages are the same. So so that's the key here is, do you have a better ROI on your money? So if I'm borrowing at three and a half percent and have an opportunity to make something at 10%, of course that makes sense. So, so that's what I'm looking at now is getting into more. And for me, that vehicle is real estate, but it could be anything. It could be business, it could be um, startups, it could be whatever you like, it could be the market, right? Uh, obviously the market's down, these days, but if you have a vehicle bottom line that gives you a higher return, then it's worth it. If you ask my opinion, I think you should be looking for at least a three to 5% gamut. For yeah. me, if you're going to ask me my opinion, it's not worth it for, so if you're, if you're, if you're at three and a half, then you really need a, a 7% or higher. Yeah. Uh, and and then now, now, now it's probably worth it to you because you got to pay that you're borrowing your money at uh, three and a half. Yes, it will maintain that IRR average, but uh, so that's that's where I'm at today. Yeah, and thanks for, for sharing that and providing the detail. And that's one of the things too, that I like to go into detail and it's important to see it. Like you mentioned, it's all numbers at the end of the day. So for example, if you've got, call it an opportunity, say it's real estate, call it just a 10% opportunity there. Hey, I've got this deal over here, I can get 10% of my money. So if I'm going to leverage money from my life insurance policy over here, say I go with the collateral route, which is 3%, your case might be a little bit lower at the 275 rate, but call it 3%, okay. So it's costing me 3% to access money I have in the cash value product. So. How I look at that is if I'm you, specifically what I'd want to see are two things. I'm paying 3% this year, so I wanna know what's the earnings rate this year, right, the, the annual IRR, but then also the average IRR. What's that look like? If it's not policy year five, then I'm still negative in my entire bucket of money. So, and there's, it's important to look at because the average, you can look at that and say, okay, this doesn't make as much sense because I'm behind the eight ball. Specifically, I'm paying more in the cost to borrow than what I have earned cumulatively in the policy. And, you know, right or wrong, good or bad, whatever it is, because this is a long-term asset, how people often view it. The thing is, is just make it transparent. Um, one of the things the, the first time I met with her, um, our mutual friend and contact, Elizabeth, who I think is like the ultimate when it comes to business and such, I've got a lot of respect for her. Um, as she was putting me on trial, because this is our first call to make <laughs> about cash value life insurance, um, as we went through it, just you know, provided all the details, guarantees and such, um, she was asking a lot of pointed questions. And toward the end of that call, I said, you know, if everything's done right, it kind of is what it is with respect to what the product will actually produce, what the loan rates will look like. Here's exactly how it works. Here's how people have used it. Banks that we work with use it. And it, it is what it is if everything's done and just made it very, very transparent. And, you know, you've got her at that, you know, top notch level, in my opinion. And she looked at it and says, okay, like that, that was it. And I guess call it the learning experience um, because it's the same thing when I'm going through this with you is just make it transparent and then people can make the choice 
that is in their best interest, what they're most comfortable with. Like that's it. You don't have to try and sell them on something. Just make it make it clean. That that's it. If that makes sense, I'm getting too wrapped up. <laughs> It does. And I think that's good. I, I love what you're doing because this is, you're getting different perspectives and yeah. we've had some, some poignant conversations and uh, it's amazing how comfortable you allowed me to feel where we were speaking as friends, even though it may not be something you might want to hear. And, uh, and that's again, another, another, value. But yes, I think if you have all the scenarios, which you start off with questions, what are your goals? And I think the other thing I would say is, is I would add an additional question is how about that first five years? Are you, what do you have any plans to, to, to do that? To do some people just, it's extra money, right? We, we have some common friends where, Hey, this is just, we, this is extra money. I'm not going to do anything. Well, that makes sense. This is money that I don't want to put in the market because I don't want to be, I don't want to deal with that volatility. That makes sense. So you have to almost give them answers to potential questions that they may not even know to ask and then ask them as well. In my opinion, what, what I would do differently is ask, okay, for in my instance, at the time, two years ago, I did not have an opportunity. I'm much more active now. So now I have more opportunities than I maybe will have capital. It's a good problem to have and and we'll solve it. But at that time, I I had the opposite problem. I had more capital, less opportunity. Well, so if I know that I went through that in two years, possibly someone else may go through the same scenarios to say, well, if that happens, this you can borrow against it and it still makes sense. And you may already come to this bonus, but, and, and we've addressed this with our accountants, we've changed accountants, but this is the other piece, which made it a no brainer. You've alluded to it, but never, never formally verified. In fact, the accountant came back and I, I misconstrued it because we were trying to see if it's now I can take that deduction, which of course makes it now a no brainer, yeah. right? So now I can take that, that 3%, and deduct it from my real estate transaction. And there were some stipulations, if it wasn't third party that you couldn't do it, but you can do it if it's third party. Not giving tax advice, I would say, obviously check with your accountant. But in my scenario, what I'm looking to do is I'm going to borrow that money, let's call it 3%, and then I'm gonna use that as a deduction. Uh, That interest, I'm actually gonna deduct as an expense for for that transaction so basically that wipes out the 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 three percent right yeah so you yeah. take that and so so that's another bonus uh, that you mentioned and i still didn't understand it really and you can of course use it for your business and we weren't sure if you could use it for the real estate and we got confirmation that we could which so now we're talking, now you're getting the deduction. So essentially wiping out that cost, you're getting that variance. And then and then on top of that, now your IRR goes. So you're almost double dipping at that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's that the biggest, largest leverage velocity that you can have outside of uh, the only other thing, which is crazy. I know this is not the topic for it is uh, stock options, right? Yeah. Trading options. That's the only thing that's like a 10 X leverage, but this, this kind of leverage 
is is amazing for someone who needs the money, is interested in it, is active, even if you don't want to do real estate, but if you want to do business, if you use it for your own business, well, that makes sense again, because now you're investing in yourself. You would assume your returns are going to be high, whether it's by equipment, higher employees, et cetera. So that was another nuance that I think going back, I would really go over, hey, what do you do the first five years? And by the way, if that occurs, this is what you could do, but check with your accountant. Yeah. Right. So now I'm like, okay, now I have these options, even if, and there could be some people will do nothing with it. And there's nothing wrong with that. So if you were asking me, that's what I would, those would be the two questions. Yeah, I, I love it. Thanks for sharing that. Um, I guess the questions, I'll sum it up with awareness questions, asking questions for the person that they might not know to ask. I, I love it when people do that for me. Um, which on the, the policy return, because we get a lot of people that ask, hey, can I pump money into a policy and how soon can I borrow against it? 10 days to take money out? And my, my response is exactly this. You can. However, what you do want to be aware of in this case, you probably already know this from looking at the numbers we sent. But the worst part about a policy, no matter how well it's designed, is that first year. I put in, call it 10 grand, and I've got at best case $9,000 in cash value. So no matter how I slice that, whatever the dividend rate is, that's a negative 10% hit. So if you're going to borrow in that first year, what I do want to just you know, build awareness on, look at it the same way I look at it, is I've got the negative 10% hit and the cost to borrow. So yes, you can do it. And a lot of people look at it and say, yeah, but long-term, you're absolutely right, Mr. and Mrs. Prospect. Long-term, you do recapture that. You see the earnings rate. But from an awareness perspective, mainly just wanted to mention that because some have been upset just when they find out after the fact, they crunch the numbers. Wait, this doesn't quite make sense. Like that, that's the main point. So that's one example of, call it building awareness there, um, which now we try, we all the time will do that. Um, and the marketing too with our videos, I'll point it out. Consumers, I'll express this, love it. Um, not all ag agents like it, but I mean, at the end of the day, it's like if the customer likes it, that's what's important, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more. You're, you're providing a service to customers, not, I know you, you help other agents as well, but I just believe it, it really catches up to you. The golden rule, people know, people know what's going on. You, it, it's just not, it, it re really... Yeah, I recommend this book to, to everyone here if you're in business and a wonderful way to grow your business is raving fans. And what is it, what it, what that's about is just take care of your people. That's, it's really the secret of pretty much all businesses. Take care of your employees, take care of your customers, do the right thing by them. They become a raving fan, right? Oh, let me introduce you to Steve. Oh, what, what I'm doing right? Uh, Steve is great. Why not? He's not paying me to do that. And if you're just looking at marketing, right? That's the best market. That's the, that's the best thing. When you go to a restaurant and you, well, why do we like Yelp? And uh, it's others like us and that tell us what they think. And so that, that's the best form of marketing. So you want raving fans uh, as your, as your customers, and, uh, and that helps your business, but more, but really that's not why you're doing it. You're doing it to do the right thing and help them. And it's really, you're buying trust here. We, we, we are buying trust and the good or bad is that this is a very 
this is a rare commodity to to have these days. So if you can if you can develop trust uh, between between your customers, more importantly, they naturally will come to you and bring other things. It, it just happens all the time in our business. We grow business by executing, and when you deliver, they 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 come back and they they want more and 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 maybe open other channels, network, uh, other connections, introductions other customers, other opportunities. So sorry, talked a little bit there, but no, uh, no, I, yeah. yeah, all good. Always valuable. Um, so just to kind of, so thanks for the, the first part, as far as answering questions or awareness questions, call it. Um, the second part you mentioned, how you're using your policies is really with the cash value collateral loans and the tax deduction. Um, and I'll sum that up too, just cause people, I, I feel listening will say, how are you deducting that? Because, loan interest on pure life insurance policy loans, the IRS does not like to see those deducted. They'll often question it. Yes, you can do it with a CPA and formal agreements, but you're you're treading a line there where you might get some letters from the IRS and nobody likes those. So the safe route to go um, is first always work with a CPA, like you said, no tax advice here. But if, for example, say I've got a long-term IRR of 4%, just to make it simple, I've got a cash value collateral loan, which is leveraging a policy with a bank at 3%. On the bank's paperwork, I check off, is this for personal or business use? If it's business use, there I go. I can generate a tax deduction there. So I can deduct that 3% while still earning the 4% tax-free if I don't mech it out. So that's where it can really be a nice home run with the exception of the early years where I still have a negative IRR. That's call it the pain point. The worst part about a whole life product is the early years, if that makes sense. <laughs> and, I, and I would, and, I, and this is not a sales tactic, but I would actually say, in many ways, that should help you to have a more successful investment. Right? Mm-hmm. So, so let's just say you're negative four, uh, negative five, wh- wh- whatever, whatever your, your chart says. So now you know. Well, you you should be looking at. Eight percent or higher to make sure. If it's eight, you want to look at ten. So it's all it, it, it inevitably forces you to focus on better investments because it would make more sense. Yeah. So mm-hmm. just shoot for ten, right? To be safe, your your numbers are going to work. Shoot for ten in, in in your first five years, right? Um, that that's if you want just a sort of a rule of thumb. Yeah, definitely. Thank you for sharing that. So let's um, segue just into a couple concluding questions here, which these are are more about you and business. um, And I think you'll like these questions. So how old are you now? 45? 46. 46. Gotcha. Well, you still look like you're 35. (laughs) So if you were to go back in time, because you've done well with business, you've grown your company to about 150 employees, and you've got a lot of other things going on too with your real estate business uh, in particular. But if you were to go back in time to your younger self, or if you were to give a young guy or girl advice to say, okay, if I could do everything all over again, what would I do and what would I not do as far as trying to getting to where I am right now? In general, uh, it just let's focus purely on tech masters for the business owners listening. <laughs> okay, so what I would do starting off in business? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so right now you're at 150 employees, about 135 to 150. So, well, when did you start Tech Masters? 
Well, technically 2002, we got into an office 2007. So you can use 2007. Gotcha. So if we were to go back to 2007 and the learning experiences from then to now. Okay. What would you do if if you can sum it up one thing, but it could be multiple. And then what would you not do? (laughs) Okay. What would I do? What would I not do? Okay. Well, it's almost the opposite. So number one, I've heard it a million times and I never heeded this advice, which is niche, 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 niche. You, you have to focus on one thing and focus on one area, one discipline, one sector, one customer, one product, one service offering, really focus. And that is something I did not heed early on. And now we're heating it more and more, but that probably would have catapulted us to a, a much higher level and gone through a significant, we would probably be 600 people. Can, uh, I, can I ask a question on that? So I, I love that as far as focusing on your niche, play to your strengths. Um, when you first started, so in 2007 through the early years, did you try and say yes to opportunities that came that may not have been your strength? You'd have to really research and take a lot of time, but you'd say yes, because hey, it's opportunity. I'll do anything to continue to grow. Kind of that mindset? Absolutely. Yes. yes. Uh, that is exactly it. It's it's the concept of coming to the grocery store and you what do you sell? Shoelaces, apples, uh, <laughs> coffee mugs. We, we do it all. Right. And and it's just natural for most entrepreneurs, me included, to think it's better. It's a very difficult concept to really wrap your head around that you actually will do much better with a very, very focus. Why? It's your vision is clear. Your focus is directed. Your customer understand what you offer, what you buy, your friends, your sphere of influence. In, In a nutshell, in 30 seconds or less, what do you do? It's clear from your name, from your website. And we always try to be cavalier and all encompassing. And that is, that is something I would advise uh, entrepreneurs starting out or, or still now just focus, focus, really, really focus. Um, And, and you can work out some other arrangements. So don't worry about the lost business. You can work out an arrangement where business comes to you and 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 you you work work something else with other businesses uh, where where there's some some type of of cost or fee or or uh, uh, some some type of monetary gain to whatever yeah affiliate uh, mm-hmm. it, it, it could be uh, some some type of an agreement or bonus or what have you right. Yeah. Um, uh, or sharing. So, so there's other ways you can you you can actually work to benefit from those opportunities and capitalize on that. But niche, 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 hundred percent. That is what I would do differently. Yeah. Th- thanks for for mentioning that. We recently started doing that, committing to it. I should say um, that if I were to go back and not do one thing, that would be it as well. Or I should say, do one thing. It's kind of the same question. Um, focus on what my niche is, get very, very good at it, and then you're the expert there. Um, Like we sell cash value life insurance, like we're experts in whole life particular, and that's it. We used to be, I mean, I'm still guilty of this, call it a yes man. Yes, we can do annuities. Yes, we can do disability. All this other stuff that, 
you want to help people out, but we ended up doing a, a disservice. You have to do all the extra research and such. You're not familiar with the product. I can't jump in the driver's seat and go 100 miles per hour because I don't do it every day with those products. So we just started saying no, and like this is our laser focus here. And then we started to really propel from a growth aspect too. Yeah, or or you could or you could play on uh, the movie Yes Man. You need to be the No Man. <laughs> you know. No is the power. You need to say no. You need to say this is you don't have to be impolite about it, but this is not in our wheelhouse. I'll connect you with other people. And believe it or not, I'm, I, I, I could say I sincerely believe that you will be much more respected and your your advice, your recommendation is, is going to be well received if you point them in another direction and you will be more successful. It also makes it easier for your team to know exactly what they're doing, right? Because it's repetition. I only focus on this type of customer. You know exactly, you know their objections. You've learned it. You sound better. So I can't I can't say enough about that. Yeah. Uh, I'm with it's you. very hard to grasp even even now when we when I say no, there's still a part of me like uh, it's it's just it's you a difficult help. thing to do. That's why. Yeah, you want to help out. So that, you kind of answered the, the same thing. Um, what would you do, focus on a niche? What would you not do? Um, anything you, you want to say there? My answer would be not focus on other thing other things. <laughs> but, but as far as what you would not do, would that be it or anything else? <laughs> yeah, there's, there, yeah, so I, I think there's always, there's always things, but the, the question of what not to do, uh, the, um, I will say, yeah. So there, there is one thing that now we, we, which I would do differently is, and I, and it, and I thought we were, we thought we were doing the right thing by customizing solutions around individual employees. Yeah. And it, it has come to bite us that we were trying to be very understanding and say, okay, well, Steve, I understand you have a child that you have to take to work. So why don't you come in at eight thirty? Uh, but everyone else comes in at eight and then you have another person. Oh, I need to pick up my, I'm just using kids because that's just common. Uh, I need to pick up my daughter. So can I leave early? And so I, you, you get to leave at four and now everybody else is here till six or, or five 30. So you, you get the point without giving so many, I have so many variations and it's not always about time, but it could be so many other things. And I, after all of the experience I've had, it has come that uh, we are now the bad guy, that we're treating everyone differently and it's unfair and it's discriminatory. And so now uh, we, it is, has, it's the same across the board. And uh, we, we, it's back to almost saying no again, but we've essentially said no to certain flexibility to our team. Uh, because now it may appear, even though that was not the intention, that it was possibly, well, we are treating people differently, but everyone's scenario is different. But now that backfired to you're treating them differently in favor and you're discriminating against us. So now it's, this is, this is how we do it. And, and, and it's the same across the board because it has come to bite us, unfortunately. Yeah, you have to do it that way. And it's hard because knowing you, I mean, setting the, giving everybody else leeway and always making a custom situation for each person, you're doing it because you're trying to help them. 
Like that's what it is, just being call it considerate, just from our conversations and getting to know you over time. Um, but it does come back to bite you at times, and it's frustrating. You know, that's I see a lot of business owners, and I've gone through this as well, get frustrated just when you grow a company, you want to do it to try and, hey, we're giving everyone jobs, it's very, very good for our customers, for our employees, and then things come back to bite you, like, why am I even doing this? People get lost in the frustration and all the negativity around it. Um, but as far as what you said, what would I not do, give, call it special deals and such to different people, it's a lot to be said about that because then you don't have to ever worry about it coming back to bite you because it will. You know, everybody thinks they can outsmart the system like you can't. Can't. It's going to come back. <laughs> treat treat everyone. Give everyone the same opportunity. And uh, even though we were truly the intention here was more of a family and, and someone comes back, say, OK, well, let's customize something for you. And, and everybody just shares what what happened even though it's technically confidential and so that that's a good lesson so number one start saying no i guess that's the message here is probably no <laughs> to customers and niche and don't accept things that are not in your wheelhouse and you have to it, it's got to be an yeah. even keel platform for for at least if you have employees for, for employees Hardest thing to do, it, it, it really is. Um, last question, over the years, do you have a favorite failure that you've learned the most from? Hmm. I can start if you want some time to think of it and kind of get the, the juices sure. flowing. Yeah, I have oh. so many. <laughs> I've got a million of them. Um, my favorite was definitely my biggest failure. This was, I think, in 2017, when I had a part-time assistant, a couple other people here were trying to grow. Um, and we had an opportunity from a decent-sized company out in Denver. So flew out to meet them. They're interested in policies for the board members. And I did everything differently than I normally would. I took advice from people higher ops at the insurance companies. This is how we structure these plans. Here's what we typically do that consumers didn't care about, but I did everything differently, um, did not play to my strengths, went in front of the board, completely bombed. There's these six board members and their chairman just looking at me like, oh, who's this kid that you flew in here? Um, very embarrassing. So not only did I waste the money of flying out there and spending, <laughs> spending the money and time to go out there, they didn't move forward. They went with a competitor. Um, but what I learned from that is Go back to your strengths, talking about the niche focus. Stick to your fastball. Like if I just would have went in, went in and done the normal thing, asking questions, listening, trying to understand what they were trying to accomplish. They wanted the maximum cash value products. They didn't care about the long-term death benefit. Like just focus on what the consumer wants. It may have gone differently, um, but I was a knucklehead and just made some stupid moves, bombed. It was embarrassing. And it was about, uh, they're paying in about 150 per year. So, I mean, it was a decent size, decent size case that I did not get. That was definitely uh, one of my bigger failures. <laughs> well, uh, I'm sure you've learned a lot to a lot. Be focused on your strength. And uh, I really enjoy, it sounds weird to fail. I really do because that just makes, makes you feel alive and, and you can make some differences. But, uh, 
on, I, there's so many that I can't pinpoint one specific, but I, there, there's, I'll give you the, the genre, which is generally the same. And that will apply to a lot of, a lot of folks. And that is, that is to not argue and try to debate with people. And that could be your customer. Uh, it's almost chestnut checkers understanding for me that it's it's it, it's it's a, it's futile to try to change someone's mind and uh so what that's a big lesson that really applies to 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 all aspects but specifically for business if you're speaking to someone they share their opinion customer what have you as opposed to me trying to explain, okay, I, I understand. Let's use the finance because uh, you can leave your money in the uh, market. You can leave your money in a savings account, and you could. I could show you how you can make ten percent and leverage your your cash value life insurance. And I could sit there and try to prove it to you. And at the end of the day, if your belief system is that's too high risk for me. And I realized that we're just wasting time. So it kind of comes back to the understanding what's important to everyone. So takeaway here is you cannot change people's belief system. The biggest lesson for me, and I can think of so many examples where I'm, I would sit there and try really hard to explain to a team member our position or i try might try to explain what the other person meant or i might try to keep explain what the customer wanted and it was really a waste of time in in my opinion so knowing what i know now you're almost more there's a reason we have two ears and one mouth as they say so i would do more listening and just understanding and truly try to be empathetic and sympathetic to, to the person, to the situation, and just provide a solution that works within their box, that's within it. their world. Yeah. And that's it. So, that's so it's, yeah, I might tell you, man, I could show you how you could get so much return on your money. And yours is saying, I just don't want to lose money. Right. And so that's too big of a leap. I'm not saying it won't happen, but at that moment in time, what you're looking for is I'm just looking for a safe haven to, uh, as, to just hold my, my money. Yeah. Uh, and, and you got to listen, you just got to listen. And the same thing with employee issues, uh, someone comes in and, and their concern is, and, and I don't want to project my beliefs and my opinions onto others and or to defend or explain i'm not everyone's brother father son and i think i would try that uh, often to i would treat everybody like they're part of my family and in many ways that we are a family but we have to respect everyone's belief system and not project our own so basically don't try to explain your position to everybody or defend another person's position just just listen and try to be empathetic yeah uh, th thanks for that yeah uh, i mean my mind's flowing a mile a minute um listening you mentioned the finance field like the arguments that pop up pay off your debt and then save money versus 
keep your debt, save money now because you can earn a higher return and pay it off later. The debate that goes on there and they try and force people to listen to them. Same thing, yep. whole, yeah, whole life of the stock market. The, the financial advisors, insurance agents, buy term and rest, invest the rest. They fight with each other instead of listening and just accommodating to what the individual wants. You have to prove that you're right. It's not about you, it's about them. But that was that was well well said. Thank you, my friend. That was really good. <laughs> uh, this this so is educational for me. Gets gets our our brains working and and just reevaluate our positions on everything. But this this hopefully it is helpful to to others as well. It, I think it is. Yeah. I mean, I'm holding back. I could talk to you for another two hours about this kind of stuff. Um, but that that's all I had on the agenda today. I wanted to say thank you. Is there anything else you wanted to mention? I'm sorry before I just abruptly end. Mm-hmm. No, no. I, I think uh, if anyone is interested, it, you have to look at all avenues and even share where it doesn't make sense. I would. I think that's valuable, and uh, it will probably ease the the client to to not just share the the cherry on top, but to share what are the net. Here's almost. The, I love. I love almost when when they do. Um, when they, when they have, think of it as a review. I love reviews that tell you, okay, true third-party reviews. Here are all the pros, here are the cons. Challenge with salespeople is you only get the pros. You need the cons. That's what makes me different. I'm going to show you here are the cons. Well, if you have a better rate of return, and depends on the size of capital, possibly might not make sense for you, right? The other... The other benefit, and nobody talks about it, but I, I, I think I mentioned it to you the other day, is the death. I mean, no one wants to talk about death, but I like to know that that my wife is covered. Uh, and uh, that's a very peaceful closure to my, to, to, for me to know that. So you are buying something. You're buying insurance. You're, you're buying a product of insurance, although we don't use it that way. It is a benefit. Right. So you're so that's why it's lowered. So explain it. Not let's not say, oh, well, well, let's not look at that. So basically address the cons. Yes, you are negative for the first five years. Yes, it may not make sense. You probably need a a higher return. You are paying for something here. You are actually getting life insurance, right? Which is real and, and it gives you a peace of mind. There is a product there. That is why you're paying less. And if you have an opportunity, you could borrow, and then based on your accountant, you can deduct it. So those are the reasons why it makes sense. However, it may not make sense, or it completely makes sense if you're not even going to leverage it, right? Because hey, I'm I'm, I'm just going to sit on this money in the bank. Okay, well, let's almost go through scenarios. And so all the pros. That's my takeaway for for what I would like to see is here are the pros, here are the cons, and ask me questions. Well. What, what are you looking to do? And even if you don't know, here's what could play out in the next five years for you. Yeah. That would be uh, why I love working with you. I love your transparency. Uh, you know numbers better than anyone. This man loves Excel. He, 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 he uh, works on Excel for fun on, on his time off. So this, if, if you want to see the numbers, he has a customized solutions and tell you everything. Just keep doing what you're doing. Pros and cons for all future clients, I think, would be beneficial. 
Yeah, definitely. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you. And I appreciate your time uh, just getting to know you over the years. And thank you for all listening. Ramsey, have a great day and we will talk to you in the future. Take care. Thank you for having me. Thanks. Bye.